You can't, you can't help it, can you not? Have I, have I gone really posh now? I'm not sure posh is the word. Yeah, no, no. It's, this, Affect, affected. No, this is this is this is posh. I'm, I, I think this is proper Queen's English now. I'm, I'm really, I'm getting a bit worried. <laughs> Only if the Queen's the Queen of Wigan. Oh well. How now, brown cow? Because that's what the Queen says. Yes. <laughs> Why do people say that? No, no, no. It's the uh, there is subtitles on this anyway, so we're all right. We're all right. Everybody understands me. Welcome to the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast and in this episode I'm interviewing a really good friend of mine and an incredible wedding photographer Dave Stanbury. Now myself and Dave are going to be running a workshop, a one week workshop in Graffi Studios Castello Ciccone in the hills above Venice in the back end of March 2019, this coming March. If you're interested in that, uh, listen out for the details later on in the podcast. But I start the podcast by asking him if he can remember just how many letters he has after his name. Um, <laughs> swear words or, uh, or normal words? <laughs> no, normal uh, words. Let me just let me just, one, two, three, four. So there's a few Fs in it. I know, and there's I, a few. Yeah, Fs in there's it. a few Fs in it in all categories of F. Um, so one, two, three, four, four, eight, twelve. Very good. Which is fellow of the SWPP, fellow of the BIPP, and latterly fellow of the MPA. Mm-hmm. All in weddings. Uh, yes. And why do you love weddings so much? Oh, that's a very, very good question. Um... <laughs> you can't, you can't answer every question I give you. And that's, that's a very, very, good, very good, question. good question. That's a very good. No, I, I love, I love wedding photography. When, when I first got into photography, I, um, I suppose it's a very generic answer. I wanted to photograph something you know I, everybody always wants to photograph something and, and and people seem to be the easiest thing to photograph and and there was always weddings going on um and I just loved as you know I'm a very social person I love chatting to people <laughs> and uh, there's, there's nothing I love more than a good chin wag um so wedding photography just seemed to be the right thing um but I th- honestly feel that wedding photography for me rather than me finding wedding photography. It's just what I felt comfortable in. Um, and I still get a buzz when I shoot weddings. I, I, I still, I've not been able to get that excitement from any other genre of photography. And we do do all the other styles of photography, but but wedding photography is the bit that gets me excited. How did you start? Uh, what, in photography? Um, right, well, go back to uh, about... Two or three years ago, when I was 21, um, my father bought me a camera, um, a Practica BX20. Um, and, I, and, and when he actually bought me this camera for my 21st birthday, his words were, now go and learn how to use it. Um, so I actually went to, to college and I learned how to use um, the, the camera. Um, but I actually fell in love more with data in printing. And, and it, it goes off on a bit of a tangent here because I really... I really fancied being a black and white handprint. I really enjoyed the, the the handprinting side of it. In fact, our first one of our first weddings we ever shot was a mate of a mate's uh, wedding, and he wanted just purely black and white photographs. And um, the pros in them days, they were all shooting. Obviously, it was medium format. They were all shooting color, um, so he couldn't get anybody to photograph his wedding one hundred percent black and white. So we shot the wedding. Uh, we processed the films. We printed the the prints, and we actually did this guy a black and white wedding album. And 
it still absolutely amazes me that that's how we really create, uh, how we really started the industry because nobody else was doing it. That was our USP. Our USP was the fact that we were doing black and white photographs. Nobody else was doing it at, at, at this time. So more people wanted black and white photography, so people booked us for the weddings and the rest, shall we say, is, uh, is history. But did you do something else before that? Were you working, I don't know, as a street cleaner, as a... Traveling. I, 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 I was an international playboy, um, just just <laughs> flying. Out. No, I, I, I worked for a lot of my friends will will probably be rolling their eyes at this, but I worked for Rumblos, uh, the electrical retailers. Um, they no longer exist, but it's like your Curry's, your Dixon yeah. sort of places. I, I used to work for them, and Jen and I, we just had a new babe. I think Kayla was about twelve months old, eighteen months old, something like that, and we just bought our first house, which was a mid-terraced house. And we were in the process of uh, of doing it up, um, but on the sideline, I was I was doing a little bit of photography. So the stuff that I'd done at college, the odd wedding, um, you know, trying to get a little bit of money here and there. I suppose what you would call a weekend warrior. Um, so yeah, so that that was that was how I first got into photography. But after ten years of working for Rumblows, um, I went back to the yard because I was I used to repair TVs and washing machines and that sort of thing. And the guy, the boss, came up to me and said, Dave. He said, tomorrow at 12.30, this was on the Saturday, tomorrow at 12.30 Saturday, that's it. He says, the business has, has, has finished. He says, Rumblos has, has gone into administration, it's going to go bust. So literally, I went, finished my work on the Saturday. We then took the van that I was working in to pick up the furniture. We moved into the house that was still being renovated. I then dropped the van off uh, back at the work and then I was unemployed. Uh, the only thing that I could think about doing was photography. So I was forced basically then to become a professional photographer. Two or three weeks later, I'm walking around uh, local to where we live and there's an empty shop. And I turned around to the uh, to the landlord there. We had a chat and I told him my circumstances. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, he said, I'll give you the first three months rent free. Yeah. So you can then do the place up and all the rest of it. My mother borrowed me £500 lent me 500 pounds, what's the correct English of that is, because uh, we are in Haddenham, the, the home of <laughs> proper English. And so she, she, she borrowed me 500 pounds. Um, and with that, we bought a Chesterfield couch for the clients to sit on, which we still have in our studio to this day. I bought a desk to make me look professional uh, and four 16 by 20 frames with prints in. And that's how we started in photography with a 500 pound loan from my mother. Um, and... One of the proudest things that I've got is that our food bill at the time, and Jane will back me up on this, our food bill at the time could not go over £35 a week. Was it £35 a week or £35 a month? And we could not, that was, that was the, the, the food bill. So literally we started on a shoestring. We had literally nothing. So there's only one way that we could go. And that was, that, that, was, that was up. And again, we've just seemed to have gone from strength to strength. And is it, I mean, is that something you'd recommend to people is put yourself, put your back against the wall? Uh, no, it, it's not the best way of doing it. But then again, I do, it has made me a better business person. Um, it's, it's helped me a lot with business because um, you have to earn a living. I mean, there's, there's a lot of photographers I see nowadays who almost treat it like a hobby. Um, you know, I just want to be a photographer. I want to take amazing images. I want to photograph weddings. I want to photograph portraits. Great. But when you've only got £35 to spend on, on food, you need to earn money. Yeah. So the basis, the backbone really of, of my photography career has always been, I have to pay the bills. Yeah. And this is the bit I feel that a lot of 
new photographers seem to forget you have to pay the bills. Um, this is not a hobby. You know, professional photographer, the word professional, I take extremely serious. You know, it doesn't mean that I take just photographs. It means that I have to be the businessman and create these images all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to ask you, as you're kind of getting ahead of one of the questions I had. So let's just hit it straight on. Which, If there was one thing you could scream a room of photographers, what would it be? It, it would be two things, actually, because I can, I, you know me, I like to scream many, many things. I think the first one would be communication. A lot of photographers, um, or a lot of the issues that I think photographers bring up cannot be solved by good communication. And the second word, uh, the second thing I would bring up is is business. You know, it's it's easy to pay bills when you're earning money. It's easy to enjoy what you're doing when the bills are being paid. Um, and if you want to enjoy something, you, you've got to make money at it. it. It is, it is, I suppose, the nasty, the unseen side of photography, but it is the business side of it that, that keeps us going. Yeah, and I've, I've asked this question, I don't know how many times I've asked this question, and not one person has come back to me. No one, no one so far has said, be a great photographer. They've all said, business, business, business. Yeah, it's um, photography. I mean, if you're a good photographer, you're, you're always going to be able to take good photographs. Um, but taking photographs doesn't pay the bills. And it is, it is a little bit of a cliche. You've got to be You've got to understand business. You've got to understand that, um, you know, that money is not a dirty word. Asking for money is not a dirty word. You know, it, it's sometimes uh, um, a lot of people, a lot of people lose the way because they're scared to ask money. You know, I always said to people, fr from my point of view, if somebody turned around, say like if you turned around to me and said, listen, Dave, I'm going to photograph, uh, you know, I'm going to do a portrait session with you guys. The first thing I would be thinking about is how much it's going to cost. Now, if that's the first thing that I'm thinking, then for me to start talking to my clients about money is, is not going to be a problem because really with everybody, with all the clients, in the back of their mind is always going to be, is there a cost? How much is it? So just get it out in the open. Yeah. And then and then everything can move on from there and then everybody's a lot more relaxed. Well, it's that thing about confidence, isn't it? If you've got confidence in what you're doing and the way you're approaching your client, actually the money conversation is pretty basic. Yeah, I, I think if I think if you've got confidence in your photography, then you should have confidence in your pricing. And I always say, you know, if, if people can afford, if people are going to pay for it, then it's not expensive. Yeah. You know, it, you, you will know when you're too expensive is because people will stop paying them prices. We have to find a different client <laughs> well because they're out there that's very true um it, it's i mean one of the biggest or the most nervous things that we ever did that worked out to be one of the best things that we ever did is we put our prices up yeah. it, it is quite scary that when we put our prices up it, you know it took us into a different league but people paid them prices yeah. you know people came back to us and in a weird way we got respect from the clients because in the, the original days, when we first started in the in the photography, um, people were like, oh, he's just a photographer. You know, we just need somebody to take photographs. And then nowadays, it's, you know, it's David and Jane Stanbury. We, we've got David and Jane Stanbury photographing our wedding. Um, you know, we need to do this and we need to do that. So the client's mentality is totally different because... Um, they've worked hard to, to get the money. So when they're actually spending money on their photography, they want... You know, they want the good pictures. They want the good, great images. Um, and they've bought into the, the Stanbury brand, shall we say. So it, it's up to us to live up to that brand, but it's also up to the client to, uh, you know, to, to deliver the goods as well because they want to get value for money. So how have you educated your client 
to understand what it is that you offer and why it's different to other photographers? I, I, what we do is we, I'm an honest photographer. Um, so in other words, if a client comes to me um, and says, I'm getting married at 12 o'clock um, and it's going to be in a church and the meal is booked for one uh, fifteen, I'll turn around to them and say, listen, that's not enough time. And, and I think that's where a lot of other photographers do make mistakes. They'll just agree. They're almost, I won't say desperate for the work, but they'll just turn and say, yeah, 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 no problem, no problem. And then on the day at two o'clock when the bride and groom want to stick needles in their eyes because, they, you know, everybody else should be eating and, and they're not eating, that's when you start getting bad reputation. So I'm a very honest photographer. And, I, and, I, and again, it comes back to this thing of communication. I'm, I'm very, very, to me, communication is one of the key things uh, to be a good wedding photographer. So time is, I'm a very, very honest photographer. So I'll turn around to the client and I'll say, listen, if, if you like this particular style of photography or if you want this particular style of photography, then it's going to take 15 minutes or 25 minutes or half an hour. If they then turn around to us and say, well, listen, Dave, we want to go on the moors and do some photographs on the moors. I'll say, well, don't forget, you've got the time inside of it. So it's all about communicating and giving, you know, telling the clients and being honest with the clients. Um, but another thing as well, that one thing I've learned over the, well, next year's our 25th year, but one thing I've learned over these years is not only have you got to be the right photographer for the client, but the client has got to be the right client for you. Uh, you've mentioned Jane, who, in my experience, is an exceptional, exceptionally gifted photographer. How do you find being a husband and wife team? How does that work? Oh, now then, there's a killer question. Um, now, I'm going to say it's absolutely fantastic, perfect, and runs so smooth. Um, and if there's any noise of thumping, it, it, it's because it's Jane who's currently thumping me at the moment. Um, I, th I think I think the biggest thing is trust. Um, I, I, we, I trust Jane, and, and I'd like to think that Jane trusts me. So I know that when it comes down to the business side of it, we know our roles. We know what we're going to be doing. Um, and there is trust that them jobs will get done. Um, when it comes down to photography... I know that Jane is going to be delivering the goods that we need as a brand because obviously Jane, Jane Stanbury, it's all part of the Stanbury brand. But the thing that, that works really good from that is that we're, we're husband and wife. We're photographing people who are becoming husband and wife. We, we've been through what they're going through. We, we've treaded in their footsteps. Um, so Jane, I think, is probably the greatest bridesmaid that any bride will ever have. So when the bride's getting ready in the morning, she just has this ability to calm the bride down um, and in a really nice way just to to keep the day flowing and just remind her, well, listen, we need to, you know, there's timings and we need to keep going. And one of the best comments that, that we get is the fact of, you know, Jane, she was so calming on the day. I think one of my greatest things is um, when we started to receive emails saying, hi, Dave and Jane. That's when you know that the brand uh, is getting through. You know that the um, the teamwork is getting through, and and, and the, the experience that we're trying to give to the clients. You know that that's working when you start getting emails saying hi, Dave and Jane. Just wanted to say a thank you or hi, Dave and Jane. We love your work. We'd like to come and have a chat with you and see you know if you know, how we could photograph our wedding. So that to me is probably the best thing. But unusually, or at least in, you know for me, I work with my wife all the time. But Sarah's not a photographer, so the um, roles are clear and distinct whereas Jane actually is a really incredible photographer I mean even last night you showed me this beautiful image how do you deal with the almost inescapable competitive part of it because you can't get away from it photographers are competitive right? oh man no oh yeah uh, culling is interesting who does the culling uh, we do it together 
Yeah, exactly. We 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 called together and um yeah, um I, I, I love my images, she loves her images and um Two days later, and a lot of blood on the dance floor. We we've come to a a collection for the for the clients. Um, no, it's 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 quite interesting how you see the style of photography that we've got. Whereas um, obviously in the morning, Jane's photographing the brides, I'm photographing the groom. So it's going to be totally different from that point of view. The the church, Jane's at the back, I'm at the front. So there's parts of the photography that's totally different and totally unique. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a photograph that I wanted. I I lost my dad um, before I became a photographer, um, and there's there was this one particular photograph that I always wanted to grab, and this was a photograph of of the groom and his father hugging, and you know that just that that acceptance and that you know credibility from father and son. <clears throat> Excuse me, and then there was the one particular wedding we photographed, and we were going through the culling, and I thought nailed it. I've got the shot. That's the shot I've been waiting so long for. And all it was was a dad and he was hugging his son and the, the, the faces, the emotion, it was all there. And Jane said, that's my image. And I said, no, it's not. It's not. It's my image. I said, I remember taking that image. It's, it's, it's my picture. And then she said, if you just look in the bottom left-hand corner there, you'll see a little blonde tuft of her sticking <laughs> up. Um, and, it was, and it was my her. So, yeah, it was, I was in the background of the photograph. So I think that pretty much nailed the fact that it was her <laughs> photograph. Uh, so, yeah, and, but it's good from that point of view because, in a way, there is a little bit of, of competitiveness. But at the end of the day, it's just all about getting them images. Yeah, do you not think you could do the culling on each other's images? Um. Well, yeah, we could do. Um, it's just that Jane wants to cull her images and I want to cull my images. And I'm an absolute control freak and Jane doesn't suffer fools very well. So well, she's it, lived with you for a long time, yes, so I yeah. debate that last point. Uh, what do, I mean, for me, I can't cull. So I, Sarah does all our culling. So I find this really interesting that photo when photographers do their own culling. Um, and I forget that actually probably we're slightly unusual but I can't do it because I get so a bit like you, the story you described, you get heavily invested in that image and then I can't get rid of it. Whereas Sarah just goes, yeah, it's rubbish. <laughs> so. I'll tell you a good thing with Jane. Jane looks at it. Um, go back to when, again, going back to, to when we first started in photography, I always approached it as a photographer. Um, so I was always thinking about the technical side of it, the composition side of it. And you're very correct with what you said then. Um, there'd be a lot of photographs that I would be looking at thinking, that's the shot, that's the shot. And then Jane would just turn and say, she ain't going to like it. So what she actually, what Jane actually brings into the, uh, into the equation, into the business is the non-photographer's aspect, the, the bride's aspect, the, the couple's aspect, you know, the human aspect, shall we say, into, into the photographer. And that's made me a better photographer because now I start to think more about the story. I mean, one of the things that we always say to bride and grooms when they come to us is, I, I'm 80% know what your wedding album is going to look like. You know, because you've told me the story of how you guys met you. I, we get an idea of your personality. Um, we know the venue. So I've got an idea of how your wedding album's going to look actually before we've even started shooting the wedding. So that helps because we then have that plan. Um, but to look at it from a person who doesn't know photography's point of view is really important. And I think that's what Jane brings into the equation. Yeah, uh, Kenny Martin said something recently when he's on the podcast with us that... It's not what is the picture, it's why was the picture taken. And that's, that's that thing that I think sometimes photographers struggle with. 
because you take the what. You know, the lighting's right, the posing's right, the context is right, the narrative is right. But you're forgetting sometimes that the why actually is the most important of all. We, when, when we shoot weddings, um, we actually download on the actual wedding day. Um, this is normally when we're having something to eat, the bride and groom and the guests are, are dining. So we'll actually download our images onto our laptops and we will look through the images to see how the story flows. And, and, and if there's parts of the story that's, that's missing... Um, then we can go back and, and possibly rectify. Now, I don't mean if there's a store a bit missing where the bride's arriving. Um, let's just say if we feel that, well, perhaps we need to get a little bit more of the, the side of the dress or the back of the dress or the veil, that side of the story, then then we will concentrate on the post-meal. Because we do we take the bride and grooms out for two sessions. There's one before the meal, which is, hey, look how much fun we're having with our friends and relatives and all the rest of it. And then after the meal, when everybody's a little bit more in love and a little bit more relaxed, shall we say, with the champagne, that's... Uh, <laughs> That's then when we take them out and we do the photographs of, of just the bride and groom. So we need to get information, subtle information, you know, subtle little details into the stories of the day, i.e. the veil, the shoes, the dress, the suit, the waistcoat, the tie. Um, so we're looking for that sort of story of the wedding day as well. Because one of my morals is if it's been paid for, we need to photograph it. And I'm not a fan of just doing a photograph of a glass in the middle of the table. That glass has to have a context within the day as well. Yeah, it has to have a pulse. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, one thing that struck me, this is going back a couple of years now, is when you are shooting, you are very much designing the album as you go and you will only shoot what you need for the album. Now, for me, that's pretty much exactly the opposite of how I approach shooting. You know, I'm very reactive. I control what I need to. Um, but you're thinking the whole time, right, I've got enough for that page, right, onto the next yes. spread. How do you visualise that and talk through for me that process yeah i i shoot for the album 100 percent shoot for the album to give you an idea if i was to photograph let's say you i was to photograph paul wilkinson uh, on his wedding day um so as i look at the album page now i pretty much all of my wedding albums um are landscape wedding albums so i would probably start with a landscape photograph of, of you um I would probably have a little bit more rule of thirds because that way then when I looked at the left-hand side of the page, you would then lead into the right-hand side of the page. And then on the right-hand side of the page in portrait mode would be detail shots. So in other words, I would probably have you probably looking at your watch, but it would be a close-up of the watch. I would have you perhaps arranging the flower, but it would be a close-up of the flower. So it, it, it wasn't just a picture of the flower or the cufflink or the, the watch. You were doing something, but even though it was a close-up. So for me... As much as I'm shooting for the album and for the story, it has to have a memory to you as well. I don't want you to think, yeah, I just took some random shots. Well, yeah, I was checking my watch. I was just fixing my tie, that sort of thing. So all of a sudden then, as we look from left to right, we've got the the, the, the shot of you and then we've got the detail shots. But when Paul Wilkinson is looking at the wedding album, he has the memory as to what was happening, why them photographs were taken as well. And is Jane shooting exactly the same way with the brides? No, sorry, the brides with the bride and bridesmaids. That's that basically it. Yeah, one thing that we always say as well is that a different bride walks down the aisle as to what walks up the aisle because obviously you've got nerves, there's emotion. Um, so there's certain things that you can and can't get away with when you're photographing the bride in the morning. Um, one of the first shots that that we generally tend to do, or one of the first things that we first generally tend to do when we meet the brides in the morning, is just see who the characters are. Just see what we can get away with. 
one of the first photographs I always take with the lads is 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 the groom, the best man, and his his entourage, his groomsman, that sort of thing. Because what I'm trying to do is I get a photograph of the guys walking towards the camera. Now, some photographers say, oh, that's a bit of a cheesy shot. Yeah, but what I'm doing is I'm looking for characters. I'm seeing who I can bounce off. I'm seeing how much I can get. Because every, every wedding party's got its characters. And that's all about creating the memories for them and the, the entertainment, shall we say. So in other words, um, if the groom is a very, very quiet guy, I can't be really, you know, you know me, I, I like to have a bit of banter uh, with people. So if I can't have banter with the, the groom, I need to find a groomsman that I can bounce off just so that then we can bring the group together. Yeah, and you're working like that all day. All day that. through. So do all of your packages include an album? Yes. So you've always, that's it, that's what you do? Yeah, we do three different types of album. Uh, we have, uh, obviously, there's, there's the top of the range, all singing, all dancing album. Uh, and then we go down to what we call this, our starter pack. We call it the celebration uh, book. Um, so everything comes, everything comes in a wedding album. My first introduction to photography was actually my parents' wedding album. Um, and there's... It, it, it's, it is impossible to explain this, but when you're looking at your parents' wedding album, it's the touch, it's the feel, it's the people coming to life. It's, it's again, my, my kids never saw my dad, their, their grandfather. He, he died before they were born. Um, so that to actually see granddad yeah. and to see grandma in, in, a, in the most beautiful, my mum was 21 when she got married. So to see grandma at 21 years, it's it's just absolutely invaluable. So that that was my first experience of photography my goal is to pass that experience on to my clients if they can touch and feel that wedding album like i touched and feel felt my parents wedding album then then that's my job done and the one frustration that i sometimes get is when they turn around to me and say yeah but in six months this album's going to be put away and i said listen i'm not photographing your wedding album for six months i'm not photographing your album for 12 months this is for 20 years, 30 years down the line. This is for your grandchildren to see how you loot, you know, on the happiest day of your life. And that, that to me is what I'm trying to recreate. Yeah, and your, your business is based up in Wigan, which is in the northwest of Britain, northwest of England. The concrete jungle where dreams are made of. <laughs> is that what it's described? Is that just how you describe it? <laughs> and, and so what, I mean, interesting that dreams, because I came to visit you, uh, was it last year or two years ago? Because I've always wanted to go and see <laughs> Wigan Pier. Yep. So describe the look on my face when eventually you showed me Wigan Pier. Yeah, well, um, Wigan Pier, um, was, Wigan Pier was made famous by... Um, George Orwell with his book, The Road to the Road to Wigan Pier. Well, Wigan Pier um, is... I'm probably going to kill Wigan Pier. Paul Wilkinson came to Wigan to, to look at the the world-famous Wigan Pier. I'd always wanted to see and, it. And, and I think you honestly thought that there would be a Ferris wheel and there would be um, candy floss and a fun fur and, and that sort of thing. And what it actually is, is basically two railway lines that's been bent up at 90-degree uh, angles because the coal truck used to come along, yeah. hit... And then it would tip the coal into into the into the, the barge that then took it to uh, to Liverpool and then off to wherever it was going or to Manchester. Um, so literally, Wigan Pier is about twelve inches long, eighteen <laughs> inches long, two rail tracks, and we walked down to it because you wanted to see Wigan Pier. I've always Pier. wanted to see it, and I still to this day it is possibly the most disappointed face, <laughs> disappointed look I've ever seen on a human being. I wasn't expecting a Ferris wheel. I was expecting a pier. 
I had honestly thought there would be something there I could go stand on and say, well, this yeah. is the heart of industrial Northwest. It, it, it made it made Wigan very rich, so I, oh, yeah. I suppose uh, I suppose it's it's got that going to it. But um, yeah, as, as far as the description of a peer, I think I, I'd love to see what the the dictionary says a peer is. Yeah, I need to go look that up as well. Anyway, the reason for me drawing you into Wigan is to just ask you what are the local market conditions there? What's what do you find that's peculiarly unique to the region in which you work? Are there any factors? Because you talk to photographers all over the world, so what is it about Wigan? that you have to deal with that you don't you find other photographers are not having to i i well wigan is a is a wigan is a, a working class northern town and it's no different to any any other working class uh, town up and down the country it, it has its its pluses and it has its its problems um people work hard for the money so you know if if they're spending a pound they want two pounds worth of service for it um so that's that's where we decided to bring in the experience. I mean, I always say when I'm doing my, my talks and my workshops, you can either sell to the client on price if you're the cheapest photographer. Um, you can sell on quantity, as in, you know, I'm going to do you an album and a pre-shoot and this, that and the other and all the rest of it. Um, and, and, and with them two fields, you're always going to have a competition. You know, somebody's always going to be cheaper than you. Um, somebody's always going to be offering more than you. So we decided to go on experience. So the whole experience of having your photographs taken, and when that starts from the first impression. So when the client walks through the door, we don't talk about the wedding. It's, do you want a coffee? You know, do you want a biscuit? Do you want something to drink? Sit down a pastry, something like that. Now tell me about your wedding and, and what's your plans and what's your themes and all the rest of it. So we, we, we bring the experience side into it. And the reason for that is because that's really what we're selling. I mean, people turn around and say, well, you're all doing the same wedding albums or you're all doing the same coverage. We're not. It's the experience that we are offering that is different. And that is what is is helping us to really rise above the problems that the other markets are having now. Because let's just say we were charging £2,000 for a, for, a, for a wedding album and somebody was charging £1,500 for a wedding album. Obviously, the £1,500 wedding album is going to sound more attractive. But if you think about the experience that you're going to have with us, and then they come in and they say, I mean, I'm, I'm sat in your studio now. This is a beautiful studio. Uh, but you come into our studio and it's very much, there's this seating area, it's the experience. You walk through the door um, and, and it looks luxurious. You, you feel as though you're buying into a product. And, and I'm very, very mindful that the experience is the first, second and third thing that we, we should be offering our clients. And that's what's keeping us keeping us going. Yes, yeah, definitely an experience-led Yes. business this isn't it and people forget that they think it's about selling product well in an end in the end you have to have some transaction but what you're really selling are memories exactly exactly and for us that's where the cost is yeah. the cost for us is in the experience we are two photographers it's jane and david stanbury um people um have, have got we've got the reviews it's, oh jane was fantastic and i mean this is the things that you can't you can't put a cost on you know, it's all about the experience. Um, and we get people phone up and say, no, listen, I've been recommended to you. Most of our work comes from recommendations. We, we don't do, uh, well, actually, I tell a lie, we did do a wedding for six weeks ago. And it was, it was well, it's, let's just say it's four hours of my life that I will never get back again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's all from recommendations. And we don't really advertise. It's purely recommendations. And recommendations come from the experience. Yeah, to this, I've only done... I've done two wedding fairs, but one was really my last one. And to this day, I can't stand the smell of a chocolate fountain 
and I can't listen to Robbie Williams' Angels because I was there with a videographer in one corner who played it on a loop and I was there with a chocolate fountain supplier in another corner and it was a small hot room and everything. But even now, if I hear the song Angels, I can smell molten chocolate and it turns my stomach. That was the end of my wedding fairs. I'll tell you a story about a chocolate fountain. We photographed, um, and it was an Italian wedding. They were Italians, but they were getting married in, in, in close to where we are. And during the meal, we actually went to grab something to eat and come back. I'm going back a while ago now. And they had an unmanned chocolate fountain. So in other words, it was just a chocolate fountain in the corner that people could help themselves to. Um, we left this beautiful venue, really nice, nice curtains, nice carpets, nice tables. And we, we left and then we came back about 40 minutes later and there was chocolate everywhere. <laughs> the kids were literally just throwing chocolate at each other. So, yeah. Yeah, and it does happen. Uh, right, on to uh, something that both you and I do, which is judging images. Now, I don't think I can recall a time when we sat on a panel together, though we have judged at the same time. What When you're judging, because I haven't had the luxury of sitting next to you and watching what you look for, what do you look for when you're... Normally a brown paper envelope. Okay. Yeah, and so and so you can you can take the north and out the north, but you can't take whatever it is. Yeah. Um, in what way? As in, as in, a, as in a panel or yeah. in a, an individual competition? Image? You're, you're an experienced judge, and in your time, what is it that fires you up when you look at an image, and what is it that you're looking for? One thing I always go back to is first impressions, and I've, and I've said this before in the interview. So when it comes to a, any image, any competition image, or any panel, it's got to literally within the first 10, 15 seconds. It's just got to smack you between the, you know, between the eyes. Um, I do love. I'm a very. I get quite anal about paper quality, about print quality. So there's just something about uh, a, an award-winning print. It just seems to stand out from from the rest, and and it's quite hard to explain. But there's so many factors that come into it. There's impact. There's there's print quality. There's just that little bit of attention to detail that that you don't see on on, on other images. And there's ways. That, I mean, there's as a judge. There's ways and means that you can do this when you enter competitions because you get to know what judges are looking for but i think as long as there's there's good impact to the image and as long as there's good composition leading lines and the print quality is there you know you're on you're on to a winner and what do you think uh typically lets down a great image so you've you've done we've both seen these where there's the impact is there and you just ah oh, this is a beautiful image and within 20 seconds you're like, no, it's not going anywhere. What typically have you seen that has that negative impact? I can say straight away paper quality. Is it? Paper quality. I, I've judged quite a few competitions um, where there's been absolutely stunning images, but the paper quality has been terrible. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an instance. I, I was photographing, a, sorry, I was judging a, a student competition uh, in the UK and they just printed the prints out of an A4 inkjet printer and they curled... So as we're looking at the paper, we had to almost pull the paper apart. To, you know, almost like the you know the pirate you know, yeah. ropes, the, the roll paper sort of thing. We've got to open it up and see it, and it, and it it just no. If in other words, if you take the time, if you've took the time to take the image, and if you've took the time to um, 
crop it and color it and just get perfect color or black and white, then why let it down on paper quality? Paper quality can make or break an image. What's your favorite paper? I do love a nice fine art paper. <laughs> I know it sounds so boring and so cliche, but I do love a nice fine art paper. When I first started entering competitions, I used to do everything in gloss paper uh, and that really did have a big impact. Uh, but now I think a nice a nice mount um, and a nice fine art paper just... It's just got to be printed well though. Oh yes. You've got to get that black point yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You need a... Um, again, when I went back into... Uh, in, in, when I was doing competitions, I was always wanted a black black and a white white. Yeah. And that's what I was looking for. And and you don't see that now. A lot of times we're lost with presets. A lot of new photographers, when they when they when when I see their work, um, they're relying on presets to give it this. I hate to use the word vintage, but you know, that, that, that soft black and that soft muddy white... Um, and then it'll get a hundred likes on Facebook, and then it'll come in front of a, a competition judge, and they'll just say, I'm, "I'm, I'm sorry, it's not even worthy of a merit." And then they turn around and say, "Why, why not? It, it's, it's, it's got so many likes on Facebook." And the difference, you know, it doesn't because it's got loads of likes on Facebook doesn't mean it's a good print or a good printed yeah. print. You need a good black and a good white. So you, you spend time now training photographers as well as uh, judging images. Uh, when you're talking to photographers, what typically makes you want to cry? Um, I, I find that now we're in an industry surrounded by experts where uh, a, lot of, a, lot of people, a lot of people don't take criticism kindly. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I've been doing this for 25 years. I am still learning, and I think everybody is still learning. So I, I think the one thing that's... I do find that they do have issues with photographers is when they feel as though they've got nothing else to learn. Um, we, I'm not nasty when I'm criticising photographs. You know, I I'm, I'm literally want them to be better because at the end of the day, the better the photographer, the better photographers are going to be perceived. Um, one thing that I've always tried to do in my career, and, and you know I've worked with some amazing photographers and some amazing camera companies, is that wedding photographers always seem to be the butt end of the photography job. We always seem to be the bottom end of the... You we're, we're, know. we're like the, the drummers of the band. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I just feel as though we are the hardest working. I mean, we, we've, we've got to be a good architectural photographer. We've got to be documentary, landscape, fashion photographers. Counselor. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we don't have eight hours or reshoots or anything like that to do. So I, I do find that, that, you know, wedding photographers have got the hardest job to do. So, you know... When I when I'm actually giving advice, I'm not being critical. I'm not being nasty. I'm not trying to put them down. It's because I want wedding photography to be at the top of the pile, and it's up to us wedding photographers to get wedding photography to the top of the pile. And it's like any industry, we have those who seem to 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 let us down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing. And if you think about it technically, you've got emotion built in. Whereas when you're doing, let's say, a fashion shoot or a portrait shoot, you have to create emotion through it but at least with wedding photography there's 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 always emotion hopefully always happy but it's always there and so you have this opportunity to create real magic yeah. beautiful fashion photography but with actual emotion baked into it i think it's such a great opportunity for a glorious image i really do well we're, we're photographing life you know, we're, we're photographing history, moments in time. Um, we are photographing um, people in the, the, 
I mean, the best of suits and the most amazing of dresses, and, and they've spent so much time and so much money and so much effort on this. I think the least that we can do is just give it our our hundred percent. So the one thing I'm trying to get to to photographers is is you, you need to give that hundred percent. I am ne- till to this day, I am never happy. I mean, we were discussing this last night. I have not yet photographed the perfect wedding. I, I want to, but in a way, I don't want to. If you, you never will. Yeah, it's it's just that, you know, there's always room for improvement. And if I can improve, then everybody can improve. Well, I've always loved that about you. You have this pride, both of you, both you and Jane have this pride in what you do. And I love that. I see that and I see the drive and energy that that creates. And I, I worry sometimes that certainly some of the photographers who are coming in either won't get that or don't yet get that, that sense of drive. And it's a personal journey because at the end of the day, most... I think, not most, an awful lot of people don't really know a great image that a photographer would call a great image. And you're aspiring to create these images that a photographers are going to love as well as your client. And it, But it's that drive to always be better and that pride, real pride, in what you do. And I think what you and Jane do is exactly that. It's, I mean, when I'm, when I'm dead and buried, you know, these images are going to live on. And and I know it's and it's really cliche. Oh yeah, yeah. The, you know, photography is going to last forever. But but it is a case that that's what it is all about. I mean, we are just capturing a moment in time that's that's going to long live us. Um, and I tell you what, I I, I was watching a program. Um, Who do you think you are? And the one thing that always comes to, springs to mind is it's always the photographs. It's always the photographs that that instill the memory. And I'm not going to go all salesman about USBs and, and online images and all the rest of it, but we are photographers. Our job is to produce photographs, and a photograph is a printed product. You know, and if we are not printing photographs and we are not delivering photographs, then are we what? Are we photographers? Well, there are some that will argue we are. Well, uh, to me, it's all about that printed product. <laughs> it's it's all, it's all, it is for me as well. but and Mostly actually because it has a longer certain lifespan i cannot tell you we cannot predict the lifespan of a jpeg or a tiff or a psd because formats evolve i mean already you know i own a laptop that doesn't actually have the usb slots that we've been selling for the past five years and prior to that i owned a laptop that didn't have the dvd slot that i've been selling for the five years before that and i still i still have my design work for my degree course on a big pile of three and a quarter inch no three and a half inch floppy disks cannot read them and there's all this work on there i want to retrieve and on the other hand though i have a big folder in the attic of some of the stuff we printed from my days at university and i have all of it so for me a print has an archival life that software won't it cannot we can't predict what software is going to do i can tell you the pigment on that paper will last 150 years i, th- I think there's just I think there's just something about it. Again, it comes, perhaps it comes back to the experience, I don't know, but the, the actual physically yeah. touching um, and, and, and the passing around the photograph, you know. And I mean, one of, one of the things that we do now with our clients is, is the preview album is just a selection of prints that they can then take away with them because they get the slideshow, uh, which is to music, and a selection of prints. And what I want to do is whilst they're watching the wedding photographs on the television. I want them to be passing these prints around. It's 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 a communal thing. I, I want people to be involved with the uh, with the photography with their wedding album. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, as a photographer, you're always busy. I know you're on the um, you're a presenter, you're a judge, you're a trainer, and in amongst all of that, you're a photographer and a husband. Do you take time off? 
How much time do you take off? Do you take a couple of days a week off or do you just work seven days and take it when you can get it? Oh, well, um, I think every day is a holiday, isn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we try and get time off. Um, we, we, we're starting to try and get more time off now than, um, than we used to do. Um, we're actually we're actually going to Venice next week, Jen and myself, for uh, for a couple of days, um, and this is this is the, this is the frustrating thing. Um, I've just come back from Iceland, and I was doing some photography in Iceland, um, and I wanted to try something different, so I tried landscape photography, uh, which to me is like a, a break, is as good as a rest sort of thing. And I, I was I remember doing these photos, thinking if only I had a bride and groom here. Yeah. And I was on this black beach. I'm thinking, if only there was a bride and groom there. So we're trying to get a break in uh, in in Venice. Um, but now I'm thinking to myself, there's a couple of guys and a couple of models over there. Perhaps we should give Don't them. Do I mean, it. Yes, Don't I'm, do it. Take I'm your break. I'm just thinking to myself. Take your break. Believe it or not, this is going to be our fourth visit to Venice. But I've only ever flown in and out of Venice. Right. I've actually spent 24 hours in Venice once, which was after a, um, a trip to the castle. And um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to just having a couple of days just in Venice and just getting lost with uh, good food and good wine. And you good are going to love it. Okay, so at this point in the interview, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to step in and give you a little bit of detail about the workshop myself and Dave are hosting in Graffi Studios Castello Ciccone. It's the castle they own in the mountains above Venice. It's going to run from the 25th to the 29th of March. That's the 25th to the 29th of March of this year, 2019. Uh, if you're listening to this in 2020, I'm really sorry. Uh, it's already happened. The cost of the week is going to be £795, but that excludes flights and your accommodation. But we will take care of your transfers, your lunch at the castle on the Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, uh, dinner on the Monday and uh, Thursday, and of course a trip to Graffy Studio so they can show you just how amazing their factory space is. Uh, again, the cost of that week is £795. There will only be between, uh, oh, well, sorry, a maximum of 10 or so delegates. Uh, so you will get plenty of opportunity to chat with myself and Dave, who have both run very successful uh, photography businesses, social photography businesses, whether in Dave's case it specialises in weddings or in mine it specialises in portraits we're going to do portfolio reviews we're going to do hands-on workshops uh, you'll get a chance to try the stuff out that we're talking about uh, the Monday is essentially a meetup uh, check to the hotel do some one-to-ones and talk about what you'd like for the week the Tuesday is going to be dedicated to wedding photography Dave will be primarily talking about that but of course we also run a very successful wedding arm to our business uh, the Wednesday is going to be portrait photography though as, as I said earlier Dave is also a portrait photographer so he will also be talking about bits and pieces again you'll get a chance to both shoot and watch how we work on the third Thursday, it's all about the business, the business aspects of a social photography outfit. Uh, and then on the Friday, we end with a tour of Graphic Studio and back to uh, the, the airport. If you're interested in that at all, then head over to our website, which is the twofellows.co.uk. And that's spelled T H E and then the number two fellows.co.uk. That's T H E, the two, number two fellows, F E L O W S.co.uk, uh, where you'll find more detail and you can get in touch with us uh, and maybe book your place because it's going to be rather marvelous. And so I asked Dave why he was so excited about the idea of running a combined workshop between myself 
and him uh, high in the mountains in a beautiful, beautiful area of Italy. Oh, it's the most amazing place. It, it is it is proper one of my favourite places. Now, this was your idea, this one. You came to me with that idea. Why? Um, it, it's... It's such an inspiration. The word inspirational gets banded around so much, but it is such an inspirational place. Um, it, it is, it is, well, Graphic Studio Classic is the home of photographers and it does actually feel like that. Um, it's just... It's, a, it's, it's a, just a most perfect location for, for inspiration, for learning, but also just to be with like-minded people as well. But, but unusually, because most of the courses that are put on there are dedicated to portrait photography or they're dedicated to wedding photography. This is very much the meeting of minds, a wedding photographer and a portrait photographer. And so we're going to spend the week talking about something that's much more broadly nicknamed social photography. Why do you think that would be interesting to photographers? You're quite right. A, a lot of workshops are always one direction. It's always either just weddings or it's portraits or, or whatever it's going to be. Um, for me, I, I think I think I think there's too many aspects of photography just to be tagged into one. Um, portrait photography is something that's very close to my heart, um, and I'm, I've, I've said this before. I think you're one of the greatest portrait photographers I've ever met. So as much as as wanting to to do a wedding photography and a portrait workshop, I want to learn from you as, <laughs> as well. So I'm going to bring that one in. Um, but they're very similar. Weddings and portraits are very similar. But as much as they're similar, they're very different. So the approaches need to be very different as well. And I just think that um, to be a good wedding photographer, you need to be you know, good with your portraits. And I think to be a good portrait photographer, you need to have aspects of wedding photography into it. There's the pressures, there's the meeting people for the first times. And I just think it's a happy match between the two. Because a lot of photographers, when they start the businesses... There are very few that will do just weddings or just portraits. They will probably combine the two. And trust me, and you know this, the approach to the two is, is as much as it is similar, it is so different. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that the idea of a portrait photographer and a wedding photographer coming together to do a workshop, um, it just ticks so many boxes. And it's the workshop that I would want to go on, which is... What, the reason why I wanted to do this is because um, I, as much as I want to learn wedding photography and, and portrait photography, the fact that we've got two people doing that from different angles and then from the same angle. If you, if, are you under, am, I, am I sounding really like... But, you, know, <laughs> you got a little bit obtuse there, yeah, but it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's hard to explain, but it is just... To me, it's the workshop that I would love to go on. I think you hit it on the head, which is when you talk about... Wedding photographers or portrait photographers, typically, certainly for most businesses they, as they start out, you're a combined people photographer. It's weddings, it's portraits. Very often it's newborns and babies and things as well, and pets. And you see these, you know, you, you call them general photographers, but actually it's all about people and relationships. And what I'm really excited about is being able to talk from two different angles or two different emphasis or emphases, I suppose, where, you know, you you call yourself a wedding photographer, I call myself a portrait photographer, and yet both of us do a pretty healthy combined business. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, you're talking to the converted here. Um, one of my frustrations over my 25 years in business um, is the fact of if I'd have done workshops or attended workshops and learned then it, sometimes I'm frustrated as to where could I have been where, after 25 years 
uh, of, of making mistakes and then trying to put their mistakes right and then just moving on from that. It, it's, it's, it, sometimes I think to myself, if I'd have just you know, done a workshop like this, where would I have been? At this, at this at this stage now as much as I'm thinking that I'm, I'm a firm believer in that everything happens for a reason um but the just the thought of I mean there's got I mean we must have nearly 50 years experience in photography and business <laughs> between us you know I mean it's it's invaluable and and one thing I always say to to new photographers is how many really really good photographers do you see I mean we're talking really really good photographers who of no work on, yeah. who are struggling. Um, and you think to yourself, how can, their work's amazing. How come they're, they're not getting the business? How come they're not working? And the thing is, is because over the years that we've been in the past is we know what's worked and what hasn't worked. And we've we've put these things right. So the idea of, of, of picking 50 years of experience on portrait and wedding photography, for me is a real no-brainer. Um, and any experienced photographer out there and like a lot new photographer to me this is this is something worth coming on to as well as just for the experience and, and my god are we going to have a laugh and it's going to be in one of the most beautiful yeah. settings that you can imagine uh, i will put the details of the two fellows uh, seminar at the bottom of the podcast uh, so i'll talk about it in the closing notes and i will also uh, put it up onto the website so anybody's interested so last few questions i suppose what's the best christmas present you've ever had Hmm, and not best, one you bought for yourself. The best Christmas present. Um, I'm going to rephrase that. The best Christmas I ever had whoa, was. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, it was a present. It was a present. <laughs> it was. It was a present. Just, you can't change my script. All right, then. The best Christmas present was uh, when the family went uh, to Tenerife right. for Christmas, and it was something that we'd always planned on doing for years because Christmas is a very, very busy time of the year, as us photographers know. Um, and I'd always had this dream of, of just spending Christmas in the sun. Anyway, we decided one year that we're going to clear Christmas. We're not going to do any work over Christmas and we're going to go to Tenerife for a week. And there was obviously Jay, myself and our three children and it was just the best week ever. Brilliant. Um, it was fantastic. What's the best photography book? Oh, the best photography book um, was a book called Shades. I think it's called by Oscar Mazzaroli. I, I, I apologise to all my Scottish friends, but he was a, a Scottish photographer. Um, Post-war, he photographed um, the, the Glasgow, I think it was Glasgow Bean after they bombed and they started building it up. And his black and white photography and his photography in Scotland was just out of this world. So check that book out. Okay, again, I'll put the notes to that in the uh, footnotes below. Uh, best seminar you've ever been to and who by? Best seminar I've ever... I right, I'm going to give you two answers to this one. The One of the best ones... Um, You've got to say it because obviously it's Jerry Gionis, uh, and I'm, I'm going to tell you another story. I'm going to I'm going to go off a tangent here, um, but when we first met, which was the Jerry Gionis course in Luton, and I received a, we were in a premiere in uh, the night before the uh, the seminar, and we just had a rather nice bottle of wine and something to eat. And Jen and myself was just relaxing with a, with a nice drink, thinking, well, one more drink and this is going to be a crazy night. And my phone rang and it was Martin Baines. And Martin Baines says, we're on our way to you. And I said, what do you mean you're on our way to us? I said, well, me and Jerry. Me and Jerry are coming to, to have dinner with you. I said, well, you're joking. So 
10 minutes later, there's Jane, myself, Jerry and, and Martin having dinner. And we had such a good chat. And some of the things that he said to me will last with me forever. And then the day after we went on his workshop in Luton, which is where we first met. And that was one of those things. Remember the water? Yeah. That was just one of those trans transformation things. The second, which was probably one of the funniest, was your workshop, your... Uh, <laughs> was uh, was yeah we're laughing because we're remembering it was your uh, your talk you did in Yorkshire it was in Yorkshire which was scheduled for a hour, an hour and a half and two hours I was think was it two hours and it lasted was it five hours four four hours yeah um, and somebody <laughs> kept putting pints of Guinness in your hand which they just did. meant yep. that the, call, the, the talk went off but it was a great night it was, was, a it was brutally honest yeah that was really good uh, last couple of questions best Christmas joke um, you know the kind of thing comes out of a crack up and everyone goes, oh, Dad, you're so embarrassing. Best Christmas joke. Oh, man, you've got me there. Best Christmas joke. I'll come back to that one. All right. Uh, Brussels sprouts or red cabbage? Oh, never Brussels sprouts. <laughs> never. They're the devil of the vegetable. Never a Brussels sprout. <laughs> Why is it? Of all the things I talk about... This Jane loves the... Brussels sprouts. Yeah, she I'm, loves I'm with Jane. I think She loves Brussels sprouts. Are... Uh, no, Brussels sprouts is the devil. No, uh, crunchy Brussels sprouts, not mushy. Crunchy? Yeah, hot. Maybe with some walnuts crushed in there and a little bit of salt and pepper. You are so southern. Sorry, it's lovely, absolutely lovely. And Wal but I also like, walnuts? I also like red cabbage. <laughs> so not Brussels sprouts. Red cabbage goes with hot pot. Yeah, you can have it for all. Yeah, but a red cabbage. I mean, I'm asking random questions. So you're talking red cabbage with a Christmas dinner? Not necessarily. I'm just asking. What red you cabbage is with hot pot. We can have red cabbage with all sorts of things. Hot goes pot. very well actually with a turkey dinner. It's a nice flavour. There's something about it. Okay. Just saying. If, if, like Jane, you're only having vegetables, you, you're happy to have the variety. Hot pot. Hot pot. Okay, right, best Christmas joke ever. I'll come back to that. I think... I think. Well, that's the last it. question, so you're not going to come back to it, are you? Um, I think I'll... Sorry. There you go. I ask all of these probing questions that he has to scurry around his head for, and I ask a simple one, nothing. Jogs. I'm not, I'm not very... I'm not do, you, very... do you know, from now on, you know that everyone I interview on the podcast will have a, back, a joke in their back pocket just in case that's why I ask. I'll tell you what my biggest regret has been. <laughs> not right. having a Christmas joke <laughs> so in spite of Dave not knowing any jokes at all I do hope you've enjoyed this podcast if you have uh, please do subscribe and also tell your friends about it we would love to have as many people on board as we can get if you'd like to subscribe you can do so through your regular wherever you consume your podcasts whether that's iTunes Spotify Podbean uh, Radio Public and of course if you want to go to uh, the home of the podcast where you will find an archive of every single episode we've ever released, you can head across to masteringportraitphotography.com. Uh, if you do fancy the idea of coming to Italy with us in uh, the back end of March this year, then please do head across to the twofellows.co.uk. That's the twofellows.co.uk. We still have a couple of spaces left, and we would absolutely love to have you there uh, and have a full and buzzing Pretty intensive week, I think it'll be. It'll be full-on photography, full-on conversations uh, about images and the business of uh, photography, but also, as no doubt you've noticed from the podcast, an awful lot of laughter. So uh, until next time, remember, be kind to yourselves. Take care.